I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. Huh. It is Wednesday, January 24th, 2018, meaning it is now the second Wong Takes that has been posted in the last four days. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. We don't have have that many of these short rest weeks, normally because we're pretty good uh, about putting up podcasts, pretty good about putting up podcasts, but, uh, you know, stuff happens. Stuff happens. That should take off, because Steph Curry, stuff happens. Anyway, uh, another point. But uh, we are back, and we have got not a week's worth of news, but we've got some news, uh, mostly one thing, and also a new segment. That will be the third topic, and you can probably already see what it is in the description, if you look at the description. So, without further ado, let's get on, I think, what's the biggest news story for the next two weeks. And that is going to be the Super Bowl, of course, uh, between the Patriots and the Eagles. There's so many things, really, in this game to look at, and that's why there are two weeks of media coverage, also... Uh, more factors about the two weeks we'll talk about later, but uh, media covers just a ton. It, it gets exhaustive after like the first week, I think, for the first couple of days. Everyone's super excited about the Super Bowl, and everyone does all their previews and stuff like that. And um, but I think I'll talk a little. I'll talk a lot about the Super Bowl today, and then next week uh, we'll not talk about the Super Bowl. There might be some other stuff going on, like the Pro Bowl is a talking worthy topic, if not about the game. Just about the Pro Bowl as a game in general. So, but let's look at the, let's preview the Super Bowl. Uh, First angle we'll take, I think let's talk a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, They're an interesting case. I think the last time they went to the Super Bowl was when they played the Patriots in 2004 with Donovan McNabb. I'm pretty sure. But they're a new team on this grand stage as currently constructed, particularly because many of their stars haven't found much success at the top level yet, like uh, Nick Foles, Alshon Jeffrey, etc. Speaking of Nick Foles and Alshon Jeffrey, um, I'm curious for this game, uh, which Eagles offense is going to show up? Because they've been inconsistent. Like, uh, they struggled at the end of the regular season. The offense struggled at the end of the regular season. Uh, and against the Falcons as well, they only scored, I believe, 15 points. But then again, they just took the number one defense in the league to town and scored 38 points, which, wow, uh, I don't think anyone saw that coming. And it's gonna be, it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be in between. Uh, they're not gonna be able to explode. And particularly, this is a humongous stage. It's a neutral site. Uh, it's gonna be loud in Minnesota, no matter which team is on offense and. It's it's going to be tough for them to score that many points, but I think they've sort of found a groove. Uh, in particular, I liked uh, that in the NFC Championship game, they showed a lot of creativity. Uh, for example, like uh, the Flea Flicker, which uh, I don't think Nick Foles has ever run. I think he said he's like never run it before. And when you, when you run plays like that, uh, you open up the offense a lot. Because it's not just running the ball down the gut or throwing quick slants or just going deep every once in a while. You get to throw some variety in there, and it gives you more opportunities to make those uh, deep throws. Like, I think the flea flicker resulted in, like, a 60-yard touchdown, and they had a big play uh, from another uh, player in that game, another Foles throw. So when you can make those deep throws, 
you, you do also spread out the defense because the defense has to account for that, right? And they see that happen, and now that means you, you have more room to throw those quick slants or those quick outs or run the ball up the middle. And so just, just completing deep throws, even, even attempting deep throws, really spreads out your entire offense. Uh, and also it builds confidence when, he, when Nick Foles can make deep throws like that because Nick Foles is a, is a good quarterback in the NFL. Like He is a borderline starting quarterback in the NFL. But every quarterback, when they're getting into the flow of a game, uh, you, you need to kind of warm up in a sense. And maybe warming up pregame doesn't do it justice. Maybe you need to make a deep throw like that to, to get the arm just to feel, to get the feel and also get the confidence to make those deep throws the rest of the game. So just taking some shots downfield, I think the Eagles should do that against the Patriots to take the top off of it a bit and to get the rest of the offense flowing uh, pretty well because their running game is not particularly dominant. Uh, even in a game like they had against the Vikings with really good uh, with a really good offensive game, they only had like 130 rushing yards or something like that. So it's not like their run game is going to carry them. It's going to rely a lot on Nick Foles. Uh, I also think uh, defenses are not particularly impressed by Nick Foles yet. I think they're gonna they're gonna challenge him. Like it's not like they're not going to take him seriously. I think we're beyond that at this point in the playoffs. But I think what they're gonna do is try to make Foles beat them. They're not going to really focus on him and let other people, other teams beat them. They're going to really try to make him make tough throws. They're going to force people to the outside, uh, force him to make throws in, in, in double coverage, triple coverage. Um, and it's going to be up to Foles to step up. And I think he, he can, uh, because part of, be, partly because of his experience. I mean, he's been in the league for a long time. He's a veteran. He knows this group of guys. He knows this management. Uh, and he, he, should, he has a pretty decent floor. I don't think he'll be able to repeat repeat his performance from last week, but I think he'll have a decent game even though it's at a neutral site. I think a big key for the Eagles offense is going to be staying fresh throughout the game. As we saw uh, in Jacksonville, Jacksonville, they had a good first half offensively, but then barely did anything on offense in the second half. And with a team as potent as the Patriots and with their comeback abilities that we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, you, you want to make sure you keep your foot on the gas pedal. It's not enough to take a lead. Uh, you're going to have to keep pushing, and that's what the Eagles' offense is going to have to do. Meanwhile, the Eagles' defense, uh, I really like this Eagles' defense. They were second in the league uh, by yards per game, and this defense can really uh, is really going to be a good stopper for the Eagles because it seems like we say this a lot, but defenses can keep a team in games, and it's true because... Uh, if if your offense is struggling, your defense is going to have to hold the other team. And no matter how much your offense is struggling, if your defense doesn't give up any points, you, you're not going to lose, and that's just basic scoring. So if the Eagles' defense can hold a lead also, because this is going to be a big one, If the, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles jump out to a lead, maybe a touchdown plus lead, even like 10, 14 points. Uh, you're, you're, the Eagles' defense is going to have to hold against what's going to be a tougher team. And like I said about staying fresh, the Eagles' defense is also going to have to make sure that they stay fresh because the Patriots are going to come out charging when they're down. Uh, the Patriots never quit. And it's going to be exciting to see this matchup with the Eagles' defense and the Patriots' offense. And once again, we're not sure about what Eagles' defense uh, we're going to see. We know they've been consistent throughout the year, but they've never seen an offense quite like the Patriot of the Patriots' strength. Uh, the Falcons were a pretty good opponent, but they didn't have the experience that the Patriots did, and so I'm excited for that matchup. Now, with the Eagles done, 
Let's move over to the Patriots. The Patriots are interesting as well. Uh, I think an underrated, no, not underrated, a strongly rated and appropriately strongly rated aspect of the Patriots is going to end up being their experience uh, because they're looking for their third Super Bowl win in four years, uh, which is pretty remarkable uh, considering they've, they've, they have, they've been there twice and they've won it twice and they're coming another time. And this seems like a once-in-a-lifetime thing, but this is the second time the Patriots have actually been uh, looking for a third Super Bowl win in four years in the Brady-Belichick era. In, I believe it was 01 through 04, they won three Super Bowls in four years. And the fact that they're looking to do it again uh, is just remarkable to the consistency of a coach-quarterback duo and what that can do for an organization. I think this game in a vacuum, or not in a vacuum, but this game specifically, that this, is, this experience is really going to help the Patriots because for a lot of teams, the Super Bowl is a totally different experience. Like, you get there because when you're an NFL player, you used to have you're used to having a schedule. Like this day is the walkthrough, this day is the practice. Uh, you know, this time is when you start warming up. But when you have the Super Bowl, you have two weeks. So what do you do? Like for the first week, what do you do? For the second week, what do you do? For many teams, uh, they won't be like they're professionals. They're not going to do be too different, but their routines are going to be thrown off a little bit. But with the Patriots, particularly the veterans who are used to this. Uh, they're not going to be thrown off by the Super Bowl. They're not going to be awestruck by all the stars they're going to meet and all the attractions they're going to see uh, and all the events they're going to have to do with Media Day and all. Uh, the Patriots are used to that, and they're just going to be doing this is going to be business as usual for them. And I think that's really going to help. Also, noting the Super Bowl is a two ber- two week break, uh, so it's basically a bye week, and that that helps both teams, but in particular the Patriots who have been who who could use the rest. Uh, Gronk went out of the last game with a concussion, and he's got some extra time, which is really going to help him not only heal up from the concussion, but we know he is very—he's a very injury-prone individual just because of his size and how people target him. So, if he can build some more resiliency in his joints, particularly like uh, his knee that got blown out, even though a hit to the knee is not really like building a little more muscle there is not really going to help, but it could hurt just for wear and tear and just have him hopefully last the whole game and see his talent again. And then also the rest is going to help Tom Brady because we forget, but Tom Brady is still a 40-year-old individual. Um, his wife has frequently said she's not sure if she wants him to keep playing football, yada, yada, yada. So the rest will definitely help the Patriots uh, as well as the Eagles. Uh, the Patriots' defense is going to be interesting to watch, I think, uh, because... The Patriots haven't really faced a team with an explosive vertical threat like that can get you deep throws downfield since like the Steelers in Week 15, I think. Because looking at their schedules, like they played the Bills, who don't really have any receivers as they traded Sammy Watkins, uh, the Jets, who don't have any big wide receivers, the Titans, same thing, and the Jaguars, same thing, especially with Allen Robinson out. So I'm not sure if they're going to get they're going to get torched by this Eagles offense. I mean, they're the Patriots, so it it doesn't really worry me as much as it would other teams that they haven't really faced this level of offensive competition in a while. They've had a really easy path to the Super Bowl. But it still could be an issue against the Eagles' talented receivers like Clement and Jeffrey, um, probably forgetting a few names. But this is a talented receiving core in Philadelphia, and it's going to be interesting to see how the defense of New England reacts to that. Uh, I think they'll handle them pretty well. You might see them beat on a touchdown, maybe one or two, but nothing too huge. And also, um, the Patriots have suffered from injuries beyond Brady and Gronk, and as a result, 
Brady has been forced to work with, not forced to, but he's worked with Danny Amendola a lot in the last week, particularly in the AFC Championship game, and he developed a pretty good rapport with him. I thought it was uh, it was good to see Amendola out there performing because it's, it's exciting to see that he can work as the number one target in the offense. So even if Gronk goes down, they should have Gronk back by the Super Bowl because it's two weeks and it wasn't too serious of an injury. But if they don't have him back or if he's limited, um, the Patriots don't need to worry about having a number one wide receiver. Tom Brady and Amendola uh, can get that handled, and that's pretty nice to have some insurance for them. And that just uh, bolsters the depth uh, of this Patriots team. That's going to be really fun to watch. So, and um, as well, I think this matchup itself is going to be fun as compared to a, a different matchup like, say, the Jags and the Vikings. Because in this matchup, you have a playoff underdog, which you were going to pretty much have anyway coming out of the NFC side. But now you have the playoff favorite in the Patriots and the AFC. These are perennial. uh, This is a perennial role for them, especially the Patriots as a favorite. Um, In this playoffs specifically, the Eagles were actually home underdogs in the first two games. Uh, so that's pretty uh, remarkable considering they were the one seed and they were underdogs. Now, obviously, that's because Carson Wentz went down, um, but still, they, they're used to being doubted and they're used to winning when being doubted, and that's exactly what's happening this week uh, with the Patriots and their macho and everything coming in and just looking to... And everyone is thinking the Patriots are going to defeat the Eagles, and I, I'll tell you later what I think. Um, but... The Eagles really have nothing to lose at this point. I mean, I know, of course, they say, of course, you have the game to lose. But, I mean, in the long run, they've got a young quarterback in Carson Wentz who's only going to get better. They have a bunch of young talent. Uh, They have two running backs that they can sign. Even if they just sign one of them, they take similar roles a lot of the time. Uh, So they have two running backs. And they really don't have much to lose beyond that. So... They're going to be playing with a lot more freedom in this game, I think, than the Patriots. The Patriots are going to be so super businesslike, like they always are, you know, just, just win this one. Um, but that should be fun, that contrast. Uh, and the Patriots also, worth noting, I think they were one of the preseason favorites to win. They might have been the preseason favorite to win the title, and they're here. So if you had some money on the Patriots going into this season, congratulations. Uh, good luck. And... This is really going to be, I've said it multiple times earlier, but this is really going to be a 60-minute game. Like, we saw that last uh, year with the Patriots and the Falcons, 28-3 in the comeback, of course, and it was actually 60-plus minutes because we went to overtime and uh, one of the first Super Bowls ever to go into overtime. And the Patriots have experience coming back in those 60-minute games. They've actually won their last four playoff games in which they were down by double digits. Not up by double digits, down by double digits. So the Eagles... Uh, are going to have a tough time if they get down double digits. That that fact is, or get up double digits, the fact that the Patriots always come back is going to be in the back of their heads, and I think that mental game is part of why the Patriots are so good. And also another reason it's going to be tough for the Eagles to win this game is because the fatigue doesn't seem to affect the Patriots as much as everyone else. We talk about, like, the, the leads they come back from, that shows that they can keep that energy for longer. And especially Tom Brady, who is just good throughout the game and throughout his life. He just, like, doesn't change uh, how he performs, no matter the stage, no matter his age, no matter his injury status. Nothing changes for him, and that's going to be... Remar- that's pretty remarkable, and that's going to be fun to look at in this game. So lots of fun, lots of interesting storylines. 
Uh, the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, and also my prediction. Uh, I really don't want to bet against the Eagles again. I've been wrong twice. I've had them losing twice, probably because I'm a stereotypical media guy. But I have to pick against them. Uh, the Patriots are just too good. But uh, Patriot, my final score: Patriots thirty, Eagles twenty-four. Hey, we were pretty close on the Patriots Jaguars score. That's pretty good. Here's to being close again. Uh, I don't have a horse in the race, and who wins? But it's going to be something to talk about either way. Another thing about this game, I'm willing to bet there'll be a lot of late scores, just uh, the nature of these teams, the nature of this matchup. So, Super Bowl 52, check it out. Uh, Eagles versus the Patriots at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis on Sunday, February 4th. That's about 11 days from now. Oh, wow, we're getting closer. Uh, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 3.30 Pacific on NBC. That is the Super Bowl preview. And let's get on to the second topic of the day. It won't be as long, I promise. It is the fact that Bryce Love has decided to stay at Stanford. Uh, on Tuesday, he uh, last Tuesday actually, not this, not yesterday, he, an, uh, he announced the running back did that he would not announce for the NFL draft and stay at Stanford for his senior season. Uh, I think this is remarkable, or not remarkable, but interesting for a couple of reasons. Uh, For one, Love's junior season was phenomenal. He set a school rushing record with 2,118 rushing yards. If you don't forget, if you don't remember, uh, Christian McCaffrey, I think, set that mark a few years ago, and now it's already been passed by Bryce Love. He's almost been overshadowed a bit. He scored 19 touchdowns, fourth most in Stanford history. The accolades continue. He finished second in Heisman voting. He won the Doak Walker Award for the best running back in college football. And keep in mind that he was hurt with an ankle injury for much of the year, uh, so that that just shows how dominant he was and how explosive he was. This comeback, this return to the farm, is humongous news for Stanford University and their football program because he brings explosive love brings many things to the football team, two of them being explosiveness and consistency. He actually set an FBS record with 13 runs of 50 yards or more. 50 yards or more. That's over half the field. And he did that about, well, he did that once a game. About once a game. Uh, it's, it's really hard to score that kind of, to get those kind of numbers in any level of football. But it has to do with a couple of factors. One, your, your offensive line has to be good to create those holes. But two, uh, your, your blockers can't stay with you forever. So you have to be able to beat guys one-on-one in the open field, either with agility or with speed. Love has both. We've seen him blister down the sidelines plenty of times, uh, and that speed is going to translate at any level of football that he plays. Uh, he's also kind of an every-down back. I mean, he showed grit uh, in, I think it was the Pac-12 championship game where he was hurt, or no, it might have been the game against Washington. Either way, uh, he was hurt. And he had to like limp around, but he still kept coming in the game. And that's, that grit carries on with everyone else and also just illustrates how he can be a first, second, and third down back for Stanford and be a really crucial part of their offense. And Stanford, meanwhile, they, they actually uh, they didn't, they went 9-5, and 9-4 before the bowl game, but they did finish 13th in the college football playoff rankings pre-bowl games this year. Um, and Stanford is consistently a top 25 team. So if Bryce Love can come back, uh, and they, they're getting better, Stanford is, and 
I think they really can try to make a playoff run if they win out because their conference is tough enough at this point with USC and Washington and Washington State, even a team like UCLA, or maybe not UCLA because they lost, they're going to lose Josh Rosen. But those powerhouse teams, particularly ones that Stanford are going to play, Cal as well, um, a playoff run is possible because their their, their strength of schedule is going to be high enough. It's just a question of can they win enough. Another reason Stanford's going to be better, they spent the second half of the season with a redshirt freshman starting at quarterback, K.J. Costello, who showed a lot of promise, led the team to a pretty good record and a tough bowl game against TCU, a tough Big 12 opponent. Um, so next year, he's going to have much more experience with the team and the system he's running in, meaning Bryce Love will have more opportunities to do his magic. So Stanford's going to be, I think Stanford's going to be a really fun team to watch next year with Love in the backfield, Costello under center. Uh, I don't know if many of their receivers are coming back, but they have a they have a talented wide receiver, uh, Arcego Whiteside. That was a delight to watch last year. He's big, he's strong, and he can, he can catch the ball. Uh, another aspect of this that I think is important is it's good to see that Bryce Love uh, is staying in school because you know Stanford obviously has a reputation for being a very very good educational institution. And it would be it would suck to see him have to lose his education. He already got into Stanford. It's not like Stanford just gives away uh, acceptance letters. So it, it's good to see him continue his education and finish it up. And there's kind of a perception of student athletes that they're just at their colleges that they're at because they can play. Uh, that's particularly true with schools that um, state schools that are in the South, like University of Alabama, University of Auburn. University of Georgia, those types of schools. Um, and that's not always true, you know, because kids, that, that maybe that's true in a small, small number of cases. But the majority of the time, I might be being naive here, but, like, kids get in on merit. Like, the sports help, but every extracurricular helps. It just happens that this extracurricular is put on a very, very grand stage and makes the schools a bunch of money. And it's it's good to see that kids prove that they do go for education and that they are smart kids. Sometimes, and that's what Bryce Love is doing by staying here. He's saying, "Look, I'm finishing up because uh, he said in Love said in his press release too that like he's going to return to Stanford next season while continuing to earn my degree in human biology." End quote. End quote. End quote. So he is going to continue working on his degree, and he's going to get it. Uh, this Bryce Love kid, he's he's not only going to be a great football player, of course, just from the stats. Plus, if you see him play, you know he's a special kid, and he he's he he's going to have a second career after football. Uh, and he's not going to end up being one of those broke athletes that spends all their money on drugs and stuff like that. Uh, I'm curious to see whether he goes in the, depending on how his NFL career goes, if he goes in the booth or if he goes into another field. Like I know some entrepreneurs like Patrick Willis, I think was starting a, or joining a tech firm. Uh, I think he's still there. Uh, but yeah, Bryce Love, great kid. Looking forward to seeing how he goes in the future. Hey, it's finally time. Uh, the new segment it will be called shoutouts shoutouts exclamation point that's what i wrote down um there are a lot of things that i want to talk about of course because i made a podcast um but a lot of them don't merit having a full you know they were going to be four minutes at the beginning they're turning into like six minutes now because i've slowed this thing down a lot but a full major topic like i can't talk for a ton of time about a basketball team winning a game right so, hence, you get shout-outs. These are going to be little short things, 
It's kind of more rapid fire stuff, so maybe 30 seconds to minute on each thing. So here we go. First of all, uh, shout out to North and South Korea who are going to be marching together at the Olympics. Uh, unity, peace, all that stuff could come or it could not, but either way, this is a good gesture to the national community saying, okay, look, we're going to have peace. Look, even if they get peace without the United States being involved, honestly, I don't care. Just like don't drop nukes, please, for everyone's sake. Uh, shout out to the San Francisco Giants who've been making moves this offseason. I already talked about it a little bit. Last week, but they signed Andrew McCutcheon, Evan Longoria, and now Austin Jackson uh, in the last break. They're going to be a better team. They're improving their outfield. They're improving their infield. Uh, this is going to be an interesting team, interesting uh, case study to see going forward. Shout out to Steph Curry and LeBron James, two vote getters, uh, the top vote getters in the All Star Game. Excuse me. They're going to pick their teams this week. I'll probably have a feature on the All Star Game and the new format and generating interest and all that. Uh, coming up next week, listen out for that. I think they they should have their teams picked by tomorrow. I'm excited to see who they pick. Uh, there's all sorts of stories about like so-and-so picking so-and-so. and Are Stefan Duran and Draymond and Clay going to be on the same team? Or how are they going to be split up? Who is LeBron going to pick? LeBron has the first pick. Is he going to pick Durant? And then he has to explain himself. And Durant, who's going to be... Is all So much NBA drama encapsulated in one draft. It's too bad it's not televised. Uh, shout out to Jimmy Garoppolo gets a $79,000 bonus because the Pats made the Super Bowl. Everything's going his way, man. He's on a better team. Uh, he gets a starting job. He's a franchise quarterback. He has a nickname tournament after him. If you haven't seen it, go on SB Nation, uh, the Jimmy G nickname tournament. I'm not sure if it's over yet. I think they were in the final round last time I checked. It's probably done by now. But plus he gets a bonus because the Patriots made the Super Bowl and he was on the team for a while just like sitting there going to practice. That's pretty sweet. Uh, shout out to the Los Angeles Lakers, who they're struggling this year, but they actually won a game despite shooting 14% from the free throw line. That's two for 14. That's two misses and two makes and four, 12 misses. That's not good. Uh, the Lakers are still quite a bit away, maybe a year away, actually, from being a playoff team and really competing. But their talent is visible. Their talent is there. Lonzo Ball, for all the stuff that he gets joked around about, he's a good basketball player. He has that the court vision that you need to succeed in the NBA. It's just his jump shot that's missing. And Kyle Kuzma has been pretty good and all those things. And also a humongous shout out to DeMarcus Cousins, who just a few days ago put up a 44 point, 24 rebound, 10 assist game. Let that sink in a little bit. 40. And this was a double overtime game or overtime game, but nonetheless, it's not, not, it's still incredibly impressive. 40 points, 20, over 40 points, over 20 rebounds, and 10 assists, too. I think that's the, the, the craziest stat, that you can do all of this and dish the rock. So, shout out to him. And that is our, the end of our first segment of shout outs. Tell me what you think. Uh, you know how to do that. Uh, the quick take now, and this is kind of a mixed bag of a quick take. Uh, Larry Nasser sentenced to 40 to 175 years in prison if you've been under a rock. Uh, this is the USA Gymnastics doctor that molested um, dozens, if not hundreds, of women and girls. Uh, of course, this is what he deserves. Life in jail, prison. He's already pretty old and he's going to die in prison. And um, you, you can't really put into words how bad this is. Just the amount of violation and just not only how bad the act is in itself, but the fact that you're doing it to young girls who are, you know, so influenced at this age and they're so vulnerable and 
in, in boy and anyone, any young child at this age is super vulnerable and it's immoral and it's bad and it's good that he's getting all of this time. And it was really, it was great to see all of his accusers come forward and just say all the horrible things that he's done and say it to his face uh, and put him where he belongs. Um, I would, or no, never mind. Uh, that's, yeah, that's really all I have to say about that. I will appreciate the sentencing, the harshest possible sentencing, as Ali Raisman so eloquently said. Um, and that is what I have to say about him. Thank you for listening to The Wong Takes. Uh, don't forget to check out the podcast on all of the places. Website, bit.ly slash The Wong Takes, Patreon, P-I-T-R-E-O-N.com slash The Wong Takes, email The Wong Takes at gmail.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes uh, and Google Play. Rate the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. We do have an average rating now. We've hit five reviews on iTunes, and our average rating is, guess what? It's five stars. Pretty cool. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you next week.